From Brown Cow Studios in Gallatin Gateway, Montana, this is News Nerds. I'm Ezra Graham. Today, we'll sit down with acclaimed actress Glenn Close. Close has won Tonys, Golden Globes, and Emmys for her work on screen. You probably know her from her best-known movies, such as Fatal Attraction, 101 Dalmatians, The World According to Garp, Dangerous Liaisons, Albert Knobs, The Big Chill, The Wife, and Hillbilly Elegy. She's also possibly the most interesting actress working today. We'll talk about how she grew up in the midst of what she calls a cult, how mental illness has touched her family, and her work championing productive ways to talk about it through her organization Bring Change to Mind, and of course, her renowned career. Specifically, we'll talk about her work in Hillbilly Elegy, directed by Ron Howard, where she plays Mama, the fierce matriarch of a scarred family, and in The Wife, where Close plays a famous novelist's wife who's constantly shadowed and diminished. It's Wednesday, February 1st, and this is News Nerds. Glenn Close is one of the best-known actresses of our time. You know her from The World According to Garp, Fatal Attraction, 101 Dalmatians, Damages, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hillbilly Elegy, The Wife, and many more. Glenn Close, thank you so much for taking the time to do an interview. It's wonderful to meet you, Ezra. I'm very happy to be here. So I'm curious, uh, what did you grow up watching? I grew up watching Hopalong Cassidy and when I was really little, because I'm old, uh, loved cowboys. My favorite cowboy was Hopalong Cassidy. Uh, and there was an era of cowboy shows. And um, they were, there was a, when I was really little, there was a, every Saturday the Big Top Circus. We'd look at that. So um, I know you were in a, in a group called Moral Rearmament. And you know, you've described this group as, as a cult. Um, how did your family end up in that group? What was the start? Well, uh, my theory of someone who joins a group like that is somebody who has some unresolved issues, some kind of hole in their soul that uh, that a group can come in and say, "We'll fill it. Um, we'll you know come with us, and you can change the world." My parents um, were at a very rocky time in their in their marriage, and I think they came the, the people came in and kind of just sucked them up. Um. And, you, you know, you were very young. You were seven when your family entered the group, and then you were 22 when uh, you left for college and you, you got out. You know, you were in the group longer than your parents. Um, but as a, as a young child, when you were kind of swept into that, how much were you aware that your life was different from other kids? Um, I think it made me feel like I was the outsider, that I was outside of the house looking in the window and that life was going on, um, you know, inside the house, and I was not a part of it. I think that, um, and I, you know, I still kind of feel like an outsider. I, 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 I think once that's kind of put in you when you're so young, it's a very hard thing to, to get rid of. Well, how did that group uh, af- affect your... Uh, siblings, your two sisters, and your parents. Did you have any sense that, you know, the effect that you were just describing also translated to their lives? 
Oh, very much so. My siblings and I, I think it had very adverse effects. It was very, very hard. Um, uh, we, we had no mentorship. Um, I, for some reason, always knew I wanted to be an actress, and I think it's because I loved the early Disney movies that I saw. Um, they captured my imagination, and I thought I could do that. And um, I loved fairy tales. I was swept away with you know, kind of the classic fairy tales. My siblings didn't seem to be as... Um, that's Pippi scratching. <laughs> yeah, I should mention that Glenn Close's dog right here. We're, we're joined by her dog. Pippi, make your bed. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it's been very hard. It was very hard to to go straight from a cult to college. Um, yeah. Can you imagine? I my toolbox yeah. was pretty empty. So, I I kind of last night I was looking into moral rearmament and you know there's still a they're not called moral rearmament anymore, but the idea of that group is still around. Uh, you know on their website there's a, a bunch of photos photos of very happy people and people that supposedly have had their life fulfilled as you said. Uh, are you comfortable of sharing moral rearmament? That it actually has a website. So. They changed their name um, after the founder died. So there's still a group. Uh, oh. It's not called that anymore. I'm not sure what it's called. I forgot. But there's they have a website, uh, which would be interesting. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have any... Uh, would you be okay telling us uh, why you think it's a cult? Because I was also looking into other people who were in the group who said, no, it's not a cult. Um, for me, a cult has a leader that everybody uh, kind of has a skewed idea of who they are. When I was, when we first joined, the leader was Frank Bookman, who had actually founded it, founded Moral Rearmament, and he was Uncle Frank to the kids, and it was like meeting God. They, ha they took over a huge hotel that used to be a resort hotel above Lake Geneva, um, and we lived there for two years. And it was so, every floor had a different, um, it was very uh, structured. Like Uncle Frank's floor was uh, the fourth floor, and all the, the mucky muck guests were the fifth floor. And mm. the higher you went and the lower you went, the kids were high and, like, spinsters were low. It was very, very regulated. Um, and I remember uh, on your birthday, you would go into Uncle Frank's uh, suite and he would give you a little Swiss hanky. And literally, it was like, it was like meeting God. And I, so if you have a group that, that creates that kind of um, atmosphere or you know way of treating somebody. Um, he he also people would donate uh, linens and 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 china and flatware and so Uncle Frank's dining room had all the finest things in it, and it was also used as a if you if to serve in Uncle Frank's dining room was a big deal. So, you know, it's like all these little um, 
if you if you are on the ball, which was a kind of a catchphrase, you get um, rewarded by being able to, like, you know, do the dishes in Uncle Frank's dining room. So it seems like <laughs> you were people in inside the organization were always kind of fighting for his approval. I yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it had its echelons of um, of people. They were, it was very, I think it was very misogynistic. Um, you know, they didn't, it's, uh, you know, on the outside it looks fine. On the inside it was, it was, it was really, really, really hard to come out of that um, with a lack of nurturing. So your first movie was The World According to Garp. Um, you played Jenny Fields, which was Robin Williams' uh, mom, and he was playing... Uh, Garp, um, what was what was Robin Williams like to work with? Because you know he he's known for uh, he you know he was kind of quirky and he was always in character of some sort. He was always doing a bit. Uh, what was he like to work with, especially since that was your first role? Yeah. Robin was not always on. Robin actually had a very shy, childlike side to him. And um, the thing that impressed me about him is he didn't push his humor on people. He really, really knew, for example, if the crew needed to laugh, if, you know, he, he never uh, imposed that on, on the group. George Roy Hill, uh, who is a fantastic director, really took him under his wing and helped him kind of get rid of all the little quirks and sounds that he did when coming out of um, Mork. Mm-hmm. Um, he still oh. had kind of habits of you okay. know making those little little sounds, and George would say, "Say it again, okay? Do you hear what you did? Did you hear yeah. what you did? So say it again, do it again." It was really wonderful to watch, um, and Robin Robin was he was kind of at a wild phase then. He was doing he was uh, shall we say not sober, uh-huh. um, but he always showed up. And uh, he never wasted anybody's time, you know, where he might have gone nuts the, you know, the night before. Uh-huh. <laughs> I um, loved him. I loved him. He was wonderful to work with. And, but again, he had a very shy side to him. Childlike, I'd say. And Mork is Mork and Mindy, which when, where he plays an alien that comes down to Earth and, you know, very quirky, very different from anything I've ever seen of that time. Um, so I from what I've watched and you know what I've seen about you you've done a lot of roles where you require a lot of emotion so you know the wife which was which was released in 2017 and um was all about the close up and all about the emotion that's that's what made it such a great movie uh Hillbilly Elegy which I loved was all about just the emotional rawness of that that period of time and what J.D. Vance, whose uh, novel that was based on, ha- what he had to go through. Uh, and then there was, you know, some uh, more funny roles like 101 Dalmatians, but you still were the villain. You still had to put a lot of emotion into that role. How do you prepare for roles like that? Oh, boy, that's a, that's a big... Um, <laughs> well, they all have their own story. So which one do you want to choose? <laughs> you know, 
I want to go with Hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly Elegy. Ah, okay. Great movie. Yeah, thank you. The um, well, Mama was very loved. She was she was a very strong character. Um, thanks to Ron Howard and the way he he put together the schedule for that movie, we were able to go uh, to Middletown. Uh, Ohio, and to meet members of the family, to spend time with the family. And each one of us um, got to sit alone with a family member. And so that was like gold to me because I wanted to know what kind of atmosphere she brought into the room, how how she sat, how she laughed, uh, how she held her cigarette, you know, um, what kind of clothes she wore. We had a we went from a picture of her, so we tried we saw the hair and the glasses. Um, and it it wasn't it wasn't really to kind of try to mimic her. It was trying to get into the essence of who this woman was. And um, she was really larger than life and very uh, I mean, if anything, we kind of pulled back a little bit with her in the movie because she would have blasted the screen yeah. out. You know, she was that kind of a character. And and people would say, you're doing a caricature. But it was, it really was Mama. Mm-hmm. The, the family came onto the set at one time. When they first saw me, the, her, one of her sons had to leave because he was so overcome because it looked so much. She, he felt it was so, so right on the money as far as what his mom was like. So that was interesting. I, I was very gratified when that happened. Can you still do that voice? Oh yeah. Well, I can. <laughs> well, it was way way down. Was it way down? Yeah. yeah. And you, yeah. I also noticed you had a walk. You had, you... Oh yeah, because she had a she had a bad back and a bad leg. Yeah. 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 Um, she actually wasn't terribly well. She had emphysema. Oh. Yeah. She was huh. quite fragile. You know, I really want to read that book now. Yeah. Because. It's, uh, you know, for people who haven't read uh, Hillbilly Elegy, it's by J.D. Vance. Um, it, it's about how he grew up. Um, you, a lot of it that, you know, the parts that Glenn is in is is flashback to what he's remembering. The film takes place in a very short period of time. Um, he's at Harvard. Um, Yale. Yale, sorry. He's studying law. Uh, he's He's been very successful, but... He has to go back when he uh, learns that his mother is not well uh, again. And, you know, he's thinking back to what caused that moment. And that's when he thinks back to what Mama, uh, you know, Glenn Close's role was like and how she treated him. I also wanted to know about that role. The, the, the actor for J.D. in the flashbacks is very young, but... You know, he seemed to be exposed to a lot in that film. What did you ever think about that, and what he, the actor for the young JD, might have thought? He was he was wonderful, uh, Owen. Um, he was his whole heart was in it, and um, Ron Howard, who was a child actor himself, had a had a great way of talking to Owen. And I think all of us who were around him really fed into him. We really, you know, kind of. And there are ways you can do that that aren't obvious, but you're there, you're there for him, you know, you can uh, go with the go with the punches, go with the flow. So I think, um, and he was so open um, that he just he just went with it. So 
I think the job he did was remarkable. He also had his parents with him the whole time, and I think they're a very close family. Um, and he's he's changed so de- so much. He's he lost all that baby fat, and he's he's become quite an accomplished guitarist. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, this is a broad question, but uh, Hollywood is seen a lot of times through scandals and through. You know, scandalous magazine covers and things like that. What do you think about the general culture of Hollywood? I've always stayed way, way far away from Hollywood. I've never lived in Los Angeles. I started my career in New York, and I always lived in New York and raised my daughter outside of New York. Um, And I, when I came to Bozeman, that was that was I left a house that I'd been in for about thirty years. So and came west but I don't know I I I think I I think about it a lot because I think the power of Hollywood is the power we have to tell stories and I think always does the world need great stories but never more than now and so I look at a movie as to what kind of uh, story is going to be put into our body politic. I think of us as we share a, 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 a national nervous system, if you will. And, and, I, and I like the movies that, that, that actually um, don't ravage us, ravage us any more than we're already ravaged. Um, I, of course, they're, they're movies that you have to face the facts, but I think the power of a great story uh, for me is to make somebody feel something real, to to make them feel connected uh, to that story, to those characters, and through that to be connected more to the people around them. So I take very seriously my craft and what I I like to achieve, which is that emotional uh, connection. Because I don't think people, you can say, oh, what, what great special effects and blah, 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 but if you walk out of a theater having had an emotional experience, that's that's a movie that you love. Um, so that that the the culture of Hollywood, uh, you know, the red carpets, the 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 influencers, uh, it's a different world um, now. And um, I I think about that and. Uh, I feel just because of the kind of person I am, if I try to become a major influencer, I don't think it would be who I am. I, I, I think I'm, I'm an introverted person, and, uh, and I prefer to kind of keep myself intact that way. You know, you're, you're known for your activism relating to mental health. Your sister, uh, Jessie, uh, has bipolar disease and your nephew is a schizophrenic um it lives with schizophrenia so that's how you say because you have to say schizophrenic because you aren't your disease okay so if you say he lives with schizophrenia not he's a schizophrenic what have you learned from your research because obviously that was one of the things i learned really (laughs) yeah yeah what have you learned from all of your experience with this in your family especially you know um, you know, my mistake there is just an illustration of what I think bring change to mind is trying to do. Yeah. 
Well, it's a big deal. I mean, if you say you're bipolar, it's like labeling you as a disease. But you're not, you're not, if, if you have cancer, you don't say you're cancer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it really is important because I think it, if you say, if the way people, the, the um, stigma is still so huge, it's the natural place we go to. Uh, because I think mental illness is scary to a lot of people. Um, but uh, my sister Jess, even all the, all the issues that she's lived with, I know that she's still Jessie, you know, and, they're, and, and she's somebody who's passionate about writing. Besides that, just who she is is, is, a, is a, an incredible person. Same with Kaylin. But um, I've learned so much. I mean, when... Kalen first got sick, and um, he had he had his his break when he was about nineteen, and he ended up two years in a hospital back east, and they basically saved his life, I think. But we were very, very, very lucky as a family. We could afford to put him in a in a hospital and for him to get help. And what you learn is that there's so many people who can't afford that, and therefore there's people on the streets. That's literally if we couldn't afford to take care of Kaylin, he would have ended up on the street. And um, that's why <laughs> we need so much more funding. But I think um, I, I now, I mean, I don't know if you're aware of the fight that we've been putting on, some of me and my compatriots in this uh-huh. town, I, yeah. to try to get the right mental health care. It's been one hell of a fight, and we're still at it because we feel that the hospital here should have a place uh, beds, a psych ward, like any other best practices uh, hospital. So that's what we're fighting for. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about the fight, especially in this town? Because I think, you know, there's a lot more health care traveling here, but, you know, it, it, I'm not sure if that translates to mental health care. Well, it hasn't, has it? Um, for... I mean, I've been told that 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 people were given tickets and, and, and a bus a bus ticket and saying go somewhere else. Um, it's it's known that people they have a a bad psychotic break, um, and there's no there's no place to go here. They're put in the back of a officer's car, police car, and they're driven up to Helena or up to Billings. Um, taking that officer away, you know, it's just, it's crazy. So we really need a, uh, a facility here that we can take care of our own people. And the fight has been to get it um, attached to the hospital. And I look at that, uh, I think now we maybe have a, a more of a chance because some personnel things have changed. But um, I think also uh, I'm, I'm wanting to get and I'm actually ashamed that I haven't done it before in my own hometown, a Bring Change to Mind club going in the high schools here. Oh. And with, with and there's, there's this also another very, very, very effective therapy called um, dialectical behavioral therapy, and that's really, really effective for people who are thinking of suicide and all kinds of issues. So, I mean, I, I really want to unite the people who are trying to give that kind of care, but they're all in different, you know, places. Yeah. Um, unite us all with one and find out a program that will cover all the bases. Uh, 
what was your communication with your sister and your nephew like before you knew that um, they were living with uh, mental health uh, issues? Well, this was before the, the, the iPhones. And so I had very little uh, to do. I started my career, and Jesse um, was always considered the wild one. She walked out of school in 10th grade and never went back. <laughs> she, she married a guy when she was 16 and, uh, you know, just wild. <laughs> she's lucky. We're lucky that she's here, but she, we didn't know. And um, so I, I had no idea. She, she, um, she was a, a drug and alcohol abuser, um, but I only saw her at Christmas. You know, when we all would gather at my parents, if, if uh, and you know, if people are very good at hiding stuff, and it was only when she um, came up to me and said, "I need help because I can't stop thinking about killing myself," that I thought that I was aware of it. It was like sh- shock. Nobody ever talked about it. Nobody. Do you think that that took uh, courage for her to tell somebody? I think it did take courage, and I also think she was terrified because she said she had this voice in her head that kept saying, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself, and that's terrifying. Yeah, so I think it was, I think her terror um, was probably what made her able to come up to me and say that. But that was the beginning, you know, of finding help for her and and then we decided, she and Kaylin came up to me and said, can you do something about stigma? Because the stigma can be just as bad, if not worse, than the disease you're trying to manage. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll do it if you'll do it. And I said, are you willing to be you know, outed as living with a mental illness on a national platform? And without hesitation, they both said yes. And then they wow. were ended up on The View and on the, you know, on ABC, yeah. NBC, all that. And that was real courage. Because not, not, that was over 10 years ago, almost 11 uh-huh. years ago. So, and, you know, to, to sit, sit there in a public and, and, you know, say, I have bipolar disorder, yeah. that's a hard thing to do, especially right. with all the stigma. You know, I think. I think people definitely are getting more aware of it, also because people are dealing in their families with a fallout from COVID, from, you know, so many things. It's just gotten worse. But, you know, hopefully our vocabulary is getting better about mental health or mental illness. So what is the mission of uh, Bring Change to Mind right now? The main mission of Bring Change to Mind is to establish high school uh, Bring Change to Mind clubs which, and we have almost, oh gosh, now it's nearing 500, I think, 475 across the country. And it's a place where kids can go. It's peer-to-peer, um, and they know it's a safe place. They know it's a stigma-free place. They can talk about what they're dealing with. They can be vigilant uh, with each other. They can learn how to be vigilant with people who might not be in the room. Um, and they also have, have um, initiatives amongst themselves and then also um, and this, at the school at large. And it's really been incredibly effective. And I also, I started it wanting to have a real uh, scientific base because I, I feel something like mental illness 
you want to know that you're, as they say, moving the needle? I want to ask uh, one question about, you know, your preferences as an actor, and then I want to talk about uh, the, the wife, which you won an Oscar for. No, uh, I didn't win. You didn't win an Oscar. No. That's That really amazes me. No, I've no, never, I've You've never, never won, won an the Oscar. No. No. <laughs> well, here's, here's my question, and then we'll get into the wife. Um, do you like playing the villain or the hero better? And, you know, that could be taken different ways because you've been in... Guardians of the Galaxy, you've been in Mars Attacks. So who do you think I played who's a villain besides well, Cruella? Cruella, but uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, you haven't played very many villains. And also Cruella, you know. Oh, Cruella is like the witch. Cruella is the classic fairy tale witch. But that movie is, you know, also kind of funny, you know? There's, yeah. There's slapstick to it. There's yeah. This the ridiculous the, the how ridiculous her costumes are. <laughs> so in some ways she could be, you know she, she kids might not see her as a villain. Except she wants to kill puppies. Well, except <laughs> she says terrible things. Yeah, Chloroform true. them, you know, drown them. Yeah, yeah, she's horrible. She's a witch, and I and I knew pretty early on that the more terrible and horrible I could be, the funnier it would be. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what was the... Do you like the villain or the hero? Better? Oh, well, about the villain. I'm, I'll go back to... Um, that's an interesting question because I feel that in order to play any character, you have to find your common humanity with them. You cannot judge them. If you judge them, you're not doing justice to that who that character is. You have to totally commit yourself to that behavior and that usually, certainly in the case of fatal attraction, that means you have to understand what causes that behavior. And usually in, in that, uh, in finding out the cause, you get empathy. You get, you understand what that person has gone through that would elicit that kind of behavior. Now, unless they're, a, they're somebody who's born with a truly evil, mm-hmm. I think there are every now and then people who are truly evil, um, that's a whole other thing. But I think in, in the human race, um, there's usually a reason why somebody behaves the way they do. So in a, in a movie like Fatal Attraction, where she's now one of the great villains of the 20, whatever, whatever she, what list she's on, it's because people didn't know the why of her behavior. And um, I always felt if they had told the story from her point of view, she would have been a tragic hero. Or, or, or a, just a tragic figure. Not necessarily a hero, but, but certainly a tragic figure. Um, your daughter was played you in the, in the flashback scenes of The Wife, which is a, uh, a movie about a novelist and, and you, his wife, uh, who the, the novelist wins the Nobel Peace Prize for literature. And they, Nobel Prize. Oh, the Nobel, the Nobel, yeah, Prize for Literature, and you guys go to Stockholm, and it, you know, again, it's a film that takes place in a short period of time, but it's uh, full of emotion, and uh, you know, there's a lot of there's some flashbacks too. So, uh, what what was your daughter's uh, thought about that role? Did she did she want to pursue it at at the when uh, you when when you were cast in that role? No, I mean, um, 
they were having a hard time casting that role. And Bjorn Runga, who is a wonderful Swedish director, um, I decided one day, and I felt I didn't know, I can't remember if I even asked Annie, um, but I literally said, you know, my daughter's an actress. <laughs> and, and from then on, he met her, and but she had to, you know, she had to work for it. She uh -huh. she uh, met him several times. He put her through the paces, and um, she ultimately was cast. I want to play uh, a clip from the wife, which you're not in, but I want to uh, talk about the clip after I play it. So this is a clip, a flashback clip with Glenn Close's daughter from the wife. Joan, this is Elaine Moselle. Hello. Hi. Your prose is brilliant. It's clean and vivid and bold. Thank you. But you know what? The public can't stomach bold prose from a woman. <laughs> You're talented, I hear. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I love to write. It's my life. Don't do it. Excuse me. You want to know where your books will end up? Right there. On the alumni shelf. Go ahead, open it up. You hear that? That's the sound of a book that's never been opened. Don't ever think that you can get their attention. Who's? The men who write the reviews, who run the publishing houses, who edit the magazines. The ones who decide who gets to be taken seriously, who gets to be put up on a pedestal for the rest of their lives. A writer has to write. A writer has to be read, honey. Has anyone got a light? <laughs> so that's uh, from The Wife, uh, 2017. Um, I'm gonna just describe what's happening in that scene. It's in a bookstore. Um, I think at, a, at an author event, and it's a flashback of Glenn Close's character, um, and she's being told that she shouldn't write because it, the the men that make other other writers famous won't won't ever accept anything from a woman author. Were you ever told that in your early career as an actor? That oh, well. Um, I, that I, that to stop, that it was really impossible, yeah. really hard. Or even by a man, were you ever told something like that? Uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I had such an engine, I had such a crazy engine that I wanted to act so badly, and I never, I never, I started in the theater. I was in the theater for six years before I even did my first movie. So, and I never considered, I didn't think of being a movie star. I mean, yeah. it was, I never thought like that. I just wanted to to act. And, um, and starting in the theater is a discipline uh, that you don't get if you just go straight to film. And I, you know, the bad, if, if I went into an audition and I was right, and I felt like I was right there, I usually got the part. The hard thing was if you went into audition and you felt that you hadn't given your best, that was really hard for me to accept. Mm -hmm. So usually I tried to go back. I tried to get another audition. And um, uh, several times it, it worked. 
You know, you just have to, I just was, you know, I, I couldn't stand that they would think that that's the best I could do when I knew it wasn't. And, um, you know, I think that's very important to be able to do. So, um, I, I, we, I've always known it was hard because I think it is incredibly hard and it can be very cruel. It's, it's a lot of rejection, rejection, rejection. And you have to have a combination of this, this steely kind of, as I call it, the engine that keeps you going. And you have to also somehow have perspective on yourself and where you are and what you need to learn and, uh, you know, be realistic about, about, I don't know, um, I was going to say about whether, whether you did a good job or not. Uh, I, I don't know where that fits in. I think you always try to do a good job, right? So some were, some are more effective than others. So, uh, you know, you've had a very uh, great career and you've done a lot of great characters and roles. Um, you know, what's next for you? Do you ever uh, plan on, you know, not acting or is it just something that you love so much that you'll just continue to keep going at? I'm still going. Um, it's, uh, it's very hard for me to leave home. It always has been because I am a true introvert. I can be very happy in this little house with my dog, uh -huh. and and that that's it with my family. And I've had a career where you have to go away from home, and so that's very hard for me. So now, and I'm I have less years ahead of me than I have behind me, and that I I try to wrap my head around that. I don't take too much time with it because I think that's very much of an attitude, you know. So um, for now, it's like. Uh, what if, if something comes along? I mean, there's a there's a movie that I'm supposed to do, or they want me to do in April, and I'm thinking, who are the who are the people that I'm going to be working with? I don't know who they are yet, so how do I know that those people are the ones I want to spend my time with, away from home? You know, time is time is the most precious thing. But there's another little movie, a little tiny movie that I'm going to do in Finland, of all places. Just three people in it um, because I think it's a beautiful script. It's a young director who I think is very talented. Um, and uh, it's a different kind of character for me. Um, and I have to play much older than I really am or than I, than I look. Um, and then I will do maybe something over in England, a, uh, which is hard because I'm think I tell them because I was a series. I said I've got to come back and see my sisters, so maybe they can, you know, have that in my contract. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of, but there are things. It just every now and then you you come across something that gets sent to you. You think, well, this is this is different. Mm -hmm. Has to be different because you don't want to go over new old territory. Glenn Close, thank you so much. Thank you, Ezra. Thanks a lot. Very good questions, and you were very well prepared. I'm, I'm impressed.
That was my interview with Glenn Close, which I recorded earlier this week. Glenn has starred in roles such as The World According to Garp, Fatal Attraction, 101 Dalmatians, Damages, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hillbilly Elegy, and The Wife. You can find her work relating to mental illness and stigma at bringchange2mind.org. News Nerds is produced and hosted by me. We're on the web at newsnerdspodcast.com where you can catch up with episodes that you missed, subscribe to our newsletter, play our daily mini crosswords, and contact us. Find News Nerds on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. We're also on community radio station KGVM every other week at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. They're at kgvm.org or 95.9 FM on your radio. Consider supporting them by going to kgvm.org slash support dash kgvm. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next week.